All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So there's a lot going on in the world right now. Caution. You're about to enter the no spin zone. The factor. Because right now. Republicans demoralized after they couldn't deliver on an Obamacare repeal. I told him, OJ, you're breaking the laws of God. In the area of that chemical attack. too busy being super presidential by bombing a bunch of... Hit by a barrage of U.S. cruise missiles on President Trump's orders. There's just too much little crap for something not to have happened. As you know, President Trump... Sean Spicer... Everyone was smiling. Gave... Everyone was happy. Alternative facts. Yeah, like when she said no, did her eyes say yes? Sometimes they'll do that. The Russian government hacking our presidential election last year. You are fake news. Whatever you want to call it, how we learn about what the heck is going on in the world is at a crisis point. That we do know. We also know that between the dire situation in Syria, Russia's involvement in the presidential election, the debate over health care, and all the White House infighting, there is so much to keep up with. And I didn't even mention your Instagram feed or binge-watching The West Wing again or listening to the podcast about making the West Wing. It's exhausting keeping up these days. It's confusing. It's overwhelming. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this week we felt like the time was right to bring back an oldie but a goodie. If you'll remember, over 30,000 of you joined us last year for an interactive project that we called InfoMagical, a week dedicated to fighting information overload and rediscovering the magic of clearer thinking. The original project was a week long with five sequential daily challenges, little behavior tweaks to help you set specific goals and achieve them. Well, today, we're going to focus on one of those tweaks. Because recently... Many of you have told us that you really want a refresher on how to better deal with the crush of information you face every day. I don't quite know how to gain much usefulness from social media, particularly Facebook. It seems like a lot of people skim through an article, post it, not leave any commentary, so it's hard to know exactly. How do we prioritize what we need to do? Okay, we've got some help coming up for you now. An episode that warrants repeating, but think of it more as a ritual, like spring cleaning for your mind. Enjoy. There was one challenge that listeners told us worked the best. It was also the behavior change they most wanted to keep up after the project ended, and the one they told us was the toughest. We call it single tasking. 
Do one thing at a time until it's done. It's that easy and that hard. Here was listener Ann Foley's first reaction to this assignment. No, 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 no. I am pretty freaked out. It has been my habit to set up about three different things for me to do at the same time so I can switch between tasks instead of focusing on my primary goal. I think I'm going to have to write the word single tasking on my hand, on my forehead, and on my keyboard to focus on the task. I'm interested and also a little freaked out to see how this is going to work. Yes, freaking out is appropriate, but single tasking works. So, kind of meta here, but just try and listen to what the research says about why it works. Okay, so first off, you may have heard that multitasking is a myth, that really we are just switching quickly from one task to another. But it turns out that every time we switch tasks, we pay a price. Here's neuroscientist Dr. Daniel Levitin. Every time you shift your attention from one thing to another, the brain has to engage a neurochemical switch that uses up nutrients in the brain to accomplish that. So if you're attempting to multitask, you know, doing four or five things at once, you're not actually doing four or five things at once because the brain doesn't work that way. Instead, you're rapidly shifting from one thing to the next, depleting neural resources as you go. So switch, switch, switch. You're using glucose, glucose, glucose. Exactly right. And we have a limited supply of that stuff. The other interesting thing is decision... Wait, can I just ask, is that why I want candy when I'm working really hard on my computer? Yes, it is. Uh, (gasps) Oh my God, for real? (laughs) Rapidly switching tasks, it depletes our brain. It makes it tough for us to think straight. It also makes some of us want to eat candy. Professor of informatics, Gloria Mark, says that this rapid switching isn't a new affliction, but it is an intensifying one. Back, it was about 10 years ago, we found that people shifted their attention between online and offline activities about every three minutes on average. These are information workers. But now we're looking at more recent data and we're finding that people are shifting roughly about every 45 seconds when they work online. And in general, there's this continual shifting of attention throughout the day. And cumulatively, what does that mean? If I'm task switching online every 45 seconds, how the hell am I getting anything done? We find that there's a relationship. The more that people switch their attention, the higher their stress level is. So we think we're multitasking, but what we're really doing when we click from email to Instagram to a call back to Google Docs and then email again is rapidly switching between tasks, burning through our limited amount of brain energy and getting stressed out. Gloria Mark can actually measure these effects in her lab with all kinds of methodologies. We log people's computer and phone activity. We also have people where heart rate monitors, small lightweight cameras, continual photos, ace detection programs, probes, little screens that pop up on your phone. How focused were you right now? Actographs, Fitbits, activity, sleep. Using these methods, Gloria and her team decided to tackle a particular question. Exactly how long does it take for someone to get back on track? Back to their initial working sphere, as Gloria calls it, if they're interrupted. I'm an academic. I'm in the business of writing articles. So if I'm interrupted from that and then I move to a different working sphere, 
How long does it take me to get back to that original interrupted working sphere? 23 minutes and 15 seconds, to be exact. 23 minutes and 15 seconds. If you are interrupted, on average, that's how long it takes to get back to what you were originally working on. And the lab also confirms that interruptions not only reduce productivity, they also just plain tire us out. If you're doing this continually throughout the day, you know, there are cumulative effects. And people report feeling burnt out. They feel exhausted. So there we are. We're getting more and more exhausted. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, the craziest thing can happen. I love this tidbit. Something called the pattern of self-interruption. So there's what we call external interruptions, an email notification, a person coming into your office. But there's also self-interruptions or internal interruptions. And so from an observer's perspective, you're watching a person, they're typing on a Word document, and then for no apparent reason, they suddenly stop what they're doing and they shift and, mm-hmm. you know, look at email or check Facebook. And so these kinds of self-interruptions happen almost as frequently as people are interrupted from external sources. So we find that when external interruptions are pretty high, you know, in any particular hour, and then if, if the next hour, if the level of external interruptions wane, then people self-interrupt. In other words, if you've had a hectic hour dealing with lots of email and people stopping by your desk, even if the next hour calms down, you will start interrupting yourself. Interruptions are self-perpetuating. Ah! Okay, in a minute, what to do about all these interruptions, some steps to get you single-tasking, and how that can improve your attention span and reduce information overload to get you thinking straight, maybe even thinking magically. It's Note to Self. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and this is our Infomagical Bootcamp, a single episode to help you get a grip on information overload and rediscover the magic of clearer thinking. There are unlimited delights in the digital world. All the things that we want to watch and read and post and stream and talk about can make it hard to accept this fact. Our brains can reach capacity very quickly if we aren't careful. We see that very, very often among people who live in urban areas, um, in bigger cities, they're starving for information. Dr. Dimitrios Zivrikos is a consumer psychologist at the University College of London. And he says a lot of people are basically just modern-day digital junkies. They're craving information because they feel that that level of information will actually make them better informed. They're keeping up, you know, with friends and family. We're keeping up because they want to be educated. In reality, what a digital junkie is actually doing is overindulging information, and information that's not actually being stored in a meaningful way that can actually contribute to their level of, you know, general knowledge. But here's the sad fact. More information does not necessarily make us better informed. In fact, Dimitrios estimates that only half of the information we take in every day gets used or stored meaningfully. Half. The Internet's capacity is limitless, but our brains is most definitely not. There are, however, steps we can take to make the most of all that information and our limited brains. 
And here's where we get back to single tasking. Dr. Daniel Levitin may be a neuroscientist, but even he recommends starting with the humble act of list making. And I think this is really important, is that you write down all the things that you have to do. Clear it all out of your head so that you're not using up neural resources with that little voice in your brain reminding you to pick up milk on the way home and to uh, check to see if you paid the utility bill and you have to call back Aunt Tilly because she left a voicemail and it's been two days and she's going to worry. And I mean, you know, all this chatter. Get it out of your head, write it down, and then prioritize things. I think too many of us show up at work and we start working on whatever we left off on the night before or we start working on whatever the newest email asks us to work on. And in that way, we're letting the environment tell us how to spend our time. We're not being very planful or deliberate. How many of those things can we hold in our mind? Four. That's it? After, so yeah. I must m- make sure I pick up bread and I have a meeting at two that I need to prepare for and oh, I need to drop off my shoes to whatever be repaired and I need to write this email to that person. That's it. Pretty much. And the rest is just wearing me down? Like, it won't happen because I can't remember it. Yeah, or it'll compete for neural resources with what you really are doing at the moment and what's in front of you. Your brain will be narrating all of this undone stuff. But when you write it down, you know, your brain's smart enough to know that you wrote it down and it stops bugging you about it particularly if you prioritize the stuff. Then at least, you know, you get home at the end of the day, it's unlikely you'll have done everything that you had to do, but by definition, you'll have done the most important things. Right. The other thing, something very powerful happens too. You look at your list of things to do, and there's one that you've put there on top. Yes. You sit down to do that, and you really become immersed in it. Instead of wondering, like so many of us do, Am I, is there something else I should be doing? Is this really the thing I should be doing? Is it, Let me check my email. Maybe there's something more important. Okay, so write everything down and then prioritize. I mean, seriously, this may sound painfully obvious, but so many listeners have described epiphanies when they actually started doing that prioritizing part, like a switch flipped in their brain. Make finishing that book by the side of your bed a priority or decide you will go through those old personal emails and actually answer them thoughtfully or set up a badass LinkedIn profile or sit down and read those nine long juicy articles that you've been saving for an empty afternoon that never seems to come. Or heck, maybe you're going on vacation and you can't even remember what it feels like to really relax and listen to music or the waves, that is worth prioritizing. Write it down, put a star next to it or bold it or whatever, and then do it until it is done. And if you think you'll be interrupted, make a contingency plan. Let your coworkers or loved ones know that you are single tasking and you need their help. Your brain needs their help. Professor Gloria Mark and her team at UC Irvine actually created and tested a prototype for office workers to use as a signal to their coworkers. It was a miniature Japanese garden, a desktop version, actually. And depending on how you arranged the rocks, colleagues would know what you were working on. So people could actually place rocks in different portions of this miniature garden. 
that would signal to their colleagues what they were working on at the moment. And then the colleagues would know, okay, I can interrupt them right now because they're working on this paper that I'm jointly working on with them. But, you know, I shouldn't talk to them about this other topic. They're not working on that. Oh, my God, this is amazing. So they were like literally drawing a line in the sand about when you could interrupt them and when you couldn't. Literally, yes. So you could bring in your bonsai plant to work or just turn on the out-of-office email responder or tell your kid or parent or friend, I'm in the middle of something important. Thanks for supporting my efforts to single task. Get the hell out of here. I'm just kidding about that last part. But you might be surprised when you do tell them that they give you some space and they do let you finish what you're doing for once. And when you see something through from start to finish, whether it's hard work like writing a report or something more fun like having a real conversation with your neighbor without checking your phone, you will do it better than you ever have before. You will learn from it. And you may actually remember what happened. The neuroscience says so. And because otherwise, we're just skimming the surface of life, right? Succumbing to information overload and never letting ourselves experience anything deeper. And the deep stuff? That's what gets interesting. So go out there and single task. Feel the info magical. And spread the word to someone you know whose brain feels overloaded. Introduce them to Note to Self and tell them we can help them understand why it feels like you just can't keep up with everything. And there are things we can do to make better use of all that the internet has to offer. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Megan Kunane, and Joe Plourd. Many thanks to Ariana Tobin for her help with InfoMagical, too. I'm Manoush Samarodi. This is Note to Self, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay, get off your phone because I'm not doing this again. Three, two.